0: I'm Elizabeth Scanlon, and this is the American Poetry Review Podcast. Today's episode is all about the poet Felita Hicks. Felita read for us in Seattle earlier this year, and it was such an extraordinary performance. I wanted to be sure to share it with everyone. I had a chance to catch up with her earlier this week too, and it was just such a delight. Uh, Felita is newly based in Chicago. She is the author of the critically acclaimed debut poetry collection, Hoodwitch, a finalist for the 2020 Lambda Literary Award. And she has two books forthcoming in 2024 and 2025, a memoir called A Map* of my want, and a new collection of poems called A Body of Wild Light. She is an extraordinary artist. She's up to a lot. Please enjoy. Felita Hicks.
1: This book came out in uh, October of 2019. I never made it to AWP 2020, so this is the first live reading. Which means I'm going to take off my scarf and I'm going to be loud. Yes. About the girl who would become a god. One, you must remember that you are a god. It started, a coffee-rimmed face glowing through the screen, crowning the bleached walls of a tiny room in gold. Let your fears go for now. But fear... An itch behind the left earlobe irritates her for the rest of the night, makes her out of mind and out of sight. Just another black woman from the university, another know-it-all, woke-ass type. She been trying to get seen without getting got. Wants to be remembered for more than the rip stitch of a first name, thick with the acrylic clicks of a mama's first honest prayer ever written in ink. She needs some protection, murmurs again, 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 ancestors, and so above, so below. Coaxes sage to burn while she rubs new dime store candles with the heavy, slick oiled hands before she restarts time with the five tricks to master tantric yoga. youtube video she a temple but she still needs to prepare the altar ask for guidance bend back to split herself in half and scream two no one knows she's been grieving via chakra and Grey Goose. Via brick dust and busted nuts. Via the neighbor's expensive ass designer blunts. Via the Florida water and the rain baths. Via the trap tracks and her sister strut line. She been screaming with her back snapped and flex. She been grieving ever since her mama explained that she is half black woman, part hood witch. Part six foot three Caucasian, part south side. Part black eyed peas, part bibliophile. Part daddy in between the legs, part Mommy in the chest, part cap and gown, part black hoodie. She is all fear in the body. Three. For years, she handled the trigger like the tail of a fish clenching the raw meat in the bowel of a mouth, desperate not to swallow or release the bullet that cradled her in a sleep, followed her through the grocery store, bought her a drink, dusted up a sidewalks, stood next to her on the bus, left the wet place in her bed where what she wouldn't do to get away whole left her split and seeping. She always knew a single, hey, yo, ma, would translate her into faint traces of her shea butter and argan oil on On the wind, before she became a god under his body, With this weapon, pissing iron into her dark and saturated construction, though it was not the god anyone expected or the god that anyone wanted, a god born of electric heat and black pepper. It was the god that the world deserved. And in her making, sparks get along her jaw. Light trickled through the creased lips of the car's window as she hollered in automatic clips, a levy of time evacuating her body, coating the lemon-painted gutters of a nameless street in the rouge of a saffron-tinted tea dripping through and down the passenger door in his hurry to see her asleep. The mess of her marked the pink threads of his palms with the last notes of her foreign psalm, half a by the beat of her breath, became a bop unfamiliar to his neck, hitting him in the course it was, plunged down to the swell quickly in the root of his less soul before it swam back up the path of his rod, twisting as his cords quickly slit against her final prayer of the year mothered another blood moon tribute what else was I supposed to do when an animal came looking for me he later asked the officer gazing over at the blaze to where the fire was now lit withering and wondering at the ecstatic leap of her reaching flame hashtag say her name hashtag Say her name. Hashtag. Say my name. Hashtag. Say her name. Hashtag. Say her name. Hashtag. Say my name. Hashtag. Say her name. Black girls who knew the scent well, rushed home to all their scalps in decondition. Hashtag. Say her name. Hashtag. Say my name. Burn Wick and Conjure hell. Hashtag. Say her name. Hashtag. Say her name. Hashtag. Say her name. Hashtag. Say my name. Hashtag. say my my name, hashtag, say my name, hashtag, say my name. This next poem is um, one that was included in um, the long devotion. This is read, uh, the birth mother's red bath for courage. If you read my book, there are some spells encoded in the book um this is one of the first ones that i did after giving birth to a child and placing her for adoption and i want to tell you i am now full circle with it i live in chicago next door to her grandparents she spent the night at my house she knows my name it's amazing so Uh the birth mother's red bath for courage With spoiled milk seeping from its many small brown mouths, my body twitched loose, the dead skin snaked around it, dripped runes in the doorway, heaved bullet after bullet into the tub, but did not die. There are claw marks and hot grease stains where things came through, signature survival signs etched around my belly, at the hinge, in the crevices, all of it evidence I did give birth. To something. There was a killing here of a kind. Something is lost now, forced from a room in me. Something is stifled in this body. I have become a deconstructed basket of rose-colored towels singing on the hospital's floor. Some nights, I think this body must still be calling out to the child that tore through it, or trying to forgive itself, forgiving itself over to the strange and inconvenient truth that not all mothers are mothers. Some mothers are war, an enemy of their own desires. Some mothers are graveyards, a field of want, buried beneath other fields of want. Some nights, I think this body must still be praying to a god that has long since slithered away. My last poem, I thought I would be able to memorize it for you, um, but I'm a little too emotional. I love everyone who's in this room. I love all of the people who are speaking tonight. I am extremely grateful, and so um, I'm going to try it.
2: This is the last prayer of Hoodwitch. It is the title, Hoodwitch.
1: <laughs> Hashtag, hallelujah to the Hood Witches. To the shellac clap backs and necro snaps of sisters who snatch tracks and dodge ditches. Hashtag blessed be to the two small kitchens. Blessed be the Tuller Tree Gumble. Blessed be the cooks and hot Cheetos. My God smile down and rain money on some of us. Bitches. <laughs> Hashtag I'm different. Descended from the truth eaters, I swallowed several Sahadi Bartman. She buried herself in the slips in my hips and now she lives in all the mirrors of my apartment. Now she pats me on the belly and begs for me to feed her. So I searched me at the rude buzz, you know those tuk, two-headed oxmen, you know those sweet potatoes, I soaked them down in parchment.
2: I tried. Let me go back to my
1: book me up some fine super sweet potatoes on parchment then I sucks me down the moxtails, girl I cost them hashtag hallelujah to the witches, to the snapbacks and double daps of Queens gone pedestrian hashtag Blessed be to their children's children. May God smile down and watch over the black naps and snatchbacks of black women dragged into the system. Of black women survived outside the system. Of black women survived despite the system. Hashtag Ashe, Ashe to my sisters gone missing. To our mamas and grandmamas. To our daughters and granddaughters. Hashtag Ashe, Ashe to the crowned and uncrowned. To those above and below ground. Hashtag black women matter. You know we do. And whenever I say it, I mean hashtag me too.
0: The American Poetry Review would also like to recommend a podcast that we enjoy, The Slowdown with Major Jackson. Every weekday, Major, who is himself an award-winning poet and a longtime friend of the American Poetry Review, uh, Major selects a poem and offers a moment of reflection. Uh, Produced by APM Studios in partnership with the Poetry Foundation, you can listen to The Slowdown wherever you get your podcasts. I am so happy to have with us today Faylita Hicks, who's one of my favorite poets. I really was so honored to have her read for us uh, at AWP in Seattle, uh, and we're going to be sharing that reading on this episode today. Um, but hi, Faylita. Hello. <laughs> I um, It it was such a whirlwind uh, at the conference, of course. We had a packed house at Elliott Bay Books um, that we barely even got a chance to talk. So I'm really grateful to have this opportunity to just kind of like catch up with you. Um, and you have so much going on right now. I mean, that <laughs> reading, that reading was, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. that was like your first public reading from Hoodwich, right?
2: It was. It, it was. There was there was a, like two public readings in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um when the book was first published, but I kept putting off readings because I said, Oh, well, in March of 2020, I'll just launch it at AWP and then I'll go on tour and it'll be fine. Mm. And um what most people don't know is I was literally thirty minutes away from San Antonio. I know.
0: Um,
2: and I lived in San Marcos, Texas,
0: and mm-hmm. I never made it to AWP. I mean, that was such, I mean, everything, of course, like we lost so much time over the pandemic, but it's like, I, I feel, I feel for the people who were like, home-based Texas, like to totally lose San Antonio was such a drag. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and to have your book come out right at the beginning of the pandemic was like a big um, lapse of time before we got to, you know, really celebrate it. Um but it is, it's such an extraordinary book. I love it so much. Um, and of course, you were on the cover of APR uh, in July of... I guess that come true. Tw- <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I love to hear that. Um, but I guess that was July of 22, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had some extraordinary poems from you. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself, though. What I always want to ask is someone who... You are, I mean, you are an activist, an artist, a poet, a performer. Like, you do so much and in Mm -hmm. so many uh, uh, different modes. Like, where did it all begin for you? What drew you to poetry?
2: That is an excellent question. And one I'm currently trying to answer in the memoir (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. that I'm currently writing. Um, I wanted to be an actress, and Mm -hmm. I knew for sure I was going to be a rock star. I was going to tour the the entire world and, mm-hmm. you know, perform with Britney Spears and Beyonce. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> um, and then I, I got to college and mm-hmm. um, one of the first things I was told was that there would not be any mixing of characters and their racial identities on the stage. Mm-hmm. And the director for the year didn't choose any plays that had a black femme character that would be a main stage. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I can write my own monologues and mm-hmm, perform them mm-hmm. at the poetry slam that I had just learned about. I was 17 years old. I had just learned about the poetry slam. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can perform my own monologues. Excellent. And not understanding that I wasn't writing a monologue per se. I was writing, you know, I was writing my experience. Yeah, Right, right. And, um, and so over time, it went from a love of the stage mm-hmm. and a need to tell a story, any story, to... Mm-hmm. Wait a minute! I really enjoy just spending some quiet time with this space, and there are some things that you'll miss if I say it out loud that you won't see if I don't show it to you. Right. And so um, it was. It started somewhere around seventeen. Right. And I'm 37 now, so. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know, I didn't know that, but I think on some like spirit level, I knew that because I started in theater too. I started. I was a you know theater kid in high school and went to high school from. Performing arts and um really like that was where it all started to coalesce for me was the idea that like uh, what you just said that like there is the existence on the page and then there is mm-hmm. the existence in the performed voice and both of those things are really resonant and really important right mm-hmm. um and and poetry g- gives you that like lets you um uh be in both worlds right mm-hmm. um which i love um I also, I wanted to ask, when you when you read for us, um, one of the poems, as I know many of your poems are, but you identified one of the poems as a spell, mm-hmm. which is so, um, just <laughs> hits like such a heartfelt place for me. Can you tell me about the idea of spells in your work and like how that resonates with you as a poetic practice?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um... So, it's I'm trying to find the best way to say this. Um, I know it's
0: a big question. I mean, like what, <laughs> I, I think that, like the the idea of spells, though, I mean, certainly in your work, but also just in like the kind of whole conception of poetry is so powerful to me. Um, well,
2: it's not just in poetry, right? Um mm-hmm. it's actually all over when it comes to when it comes to, to to magic and spells inside of poems, I have always felt that words had a power that uh, was under-acknowledged,
0: mm-hmm. that,
2: the, that there is a frequency and a resonance with it that isn't purely just about uh, intellectual pursuits. It also has to do with the sound mm-hmm. and the emotion attached to the sound mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. understanding how we communicate with each other impacts more than just the instance of communication right Mm -hmm. um so if someone is walking down the street they turn to you and they say hello It's not just going to live with you for just that moment, Mm, that word mm -hmm. hello and and the tone tone that they use and the eye contact associated with it. All of that is going to live with you for probably for several hours. And depending on, you know, how you were feeling that day, maybe for the rest of your life and what you'll be like, man, that person was so nice. And I so needed it at that one point Mm -hmm. versus a difference of like, you know, get out of my way. Right. The right moment in time of your life, you know, mm-hmm. that and not and, and and then we start going back and forth about what are the words that lived with us and, and mm-hmm. what stayed with us over long periods of time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, the words hallelujah for me, which comes up in the in the book, mm-hmm. hallelujah was very much about Christianity, was very much about my particular experience with Christianity, which mm-hmm. I was raised in a cult. So oh, <laughs> like for oh, really? me to reclaim hallelujah.
0: Yeah, Okay, I'm going to need um, to know more about the International Church that. of Christ, at the ICOC. <laughs> I um I'm 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 fascinated. I don't know what that like how do how is that how does that exist as a cult? Like I I'm, I'm I'm so interested.
2: The yeah, the International Church of Christ, the ICOC was um a love bombing um oh. kind of uh organization mm-hmm. it was started by kip mckean and it was an offshoot of several other church christian churches from the 70s mm-hmm. and um they grew big very fast because they were non-denominational didn't care you know what you looked like or where you were right. from but the problem was um a strict belief in that we are the only ones oh the yeah. only ones going to heaven that's and where it all always goes wrong right the only exactly. ones The insidious nature of saying, um, oh, we should go play basketball and hang out. And you think, as the person I've invited, we're going to go hang out and play basketball. But really, it's everyone from the church and everyone's job is to get you to the Bible study after the basketball game. Oh, (laughs) no. And then go and you're hanging out and you think you're just hanging out. But no, there's a Bible out now and there are verses. Uh And what you don't know is that you're taking the very first Bible study and a series of Bible studies that will lead to you being baptized in our particular church. Oh
0: my goodness. And it's
2: very insidious and it happens over a period of time and there mm-hmm. are 12 steps and so much is based There's on a recruit. protocol. There's a protocol. Mm-hmm. There was something called the sin list that people didn't know in which oh you wrote no. down every single sin you ever committed in your entire life. And since I got baptized at 13, I had to write down every single sin I've committed in my entire life at 13. Oh no. Like <laughs> oh my And so God. I think about hallelujah and I think about mm-hmm. prayers and I think about all the ways in which I've tried to reclaim my spirituality and my connected yeah. my connection to something higher than myself or my connection to my higher self. I've mm-hmm. thought about it the opening poem in Hood which is very much a poem that involves me being mm. in a college dorm room trying to pray myself and and to some sort of healing. Um, but also acknowledging my erotic sense of self, which was, you know, damaged by my experiences in that church. Also acknowledging the, I am not just the femme, right? right? There are so many aspects that are, are needed and words can help us kind of get into the, what word I choose to use here on this one line, what word I chose to, um, to lead the reader into the story, like mm-hmm. each of these things mm-hmm. matters to me by the time you see the word. I've thought about it,
0: yeah, for so long, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and also, it's just you it know. seems to me that, like, um, you know, the experience of speech, of language, of choosing the words that we mm-hmm. express ourselves with, like all of that is there is something inherently mystical in it, right? Because we are. I mean, not to get too religious in mm-hmm. the terminology, but it's like we are word made flesh, right? I mean, we are, we are embodied, and it takes to create sounds. It exists in our in our body. Um, I,
2: the biggest spell I think that people the big the easiest way I found to kind of express this, right? Besides the words "Amen" mm-hmm. and "Hallelujah," which are ones that you know religious folks might understand. Um. You like your Declaration of Independence, don't you? <laughs> that's interesting because that, that declaration, that declara- what mm. is a declaration, mm-hmm. first of all? That declaration that is then memorized and used over and over again yeah. and placed on buildings and used yeah. as a foundational element right. of, it's not just like, oh, that's some nice ideas that people know. That declaration is what led to the structuring of the U.S. Constitution mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It literally is why we are able to buy eggs the way that we buy eggs or buy clothes <laughs> the way that we buy clothes. Right? It, it was words, ideas led to the shape
0: of our lives, led to the experiences of our lives and the quality of our lives. Absolutely. Like what is a vow? What is a law? What is a, you know, all of these pronouncements are inherently, inherently. spellcasting our intentions, that, right? That the word law means
2: land, air and water. Mm. And that um, there's the one particular phrase, the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I'm like, what does that mean in
0: a legal Mm -hmm.
2: context? Right. And who gets to define that? Yeah. Right. And so I think a lot about um, how to use words to cultivate an idea or to cultivate a feeling. Um, I use a lot of uh, sounds and... um, a lot of s's and c's and t's mm. and I do that because I'm trying to get you to feel something very specific right. uh, at the time and so I uh, magic is imbued in a lot of my work um but especially Absolutely. in
0: her Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean that is that that resonated so clearly in in our uh experience of your performance. Um, it's uh it's an extraordinary thing to be in the presence of. Um, I wanted to ask you also about, I mean, you have, you have so much, uh, that's been going on throughout the pandemic and two books coming forthcoming, right? You have, uh, your memoir, which is, I have to check my notes, um, a body of wild light, right? Mm -hmm. And a new collection of poems, um, a map of my want. Mm Um, I'm so excited to read both of those. Um, I, I, I am very curious about um the the memoir, um mm-hmm. which uh, as I understand, addresses your your experience of uh, pre-trial incarceration. Can you tell us mm-hmm. what what led up to that and and how mm-hmm. you um, I mean, I struggle for words here how how do you recover from that? how were you able to sort of come yeah. out of that experience?
2: Um, so I'm a first generation college student. I was Mm -hmm. the first person in my family to graduate from high school, go straight to college. Um, and I had to take out loans to do that. Oh yeah. Um my family was not able to support me yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In fact, they were kinda like, Well, I don't know how you're paying for college. I was like, not with you, obviously. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, that was how that went and Mm -hmm. uh lots of, you know, scholarship applications and whatnot. I had to explain what a FAFSA was. Um, Mm -hmm. But for all of my ability to apply to things, I did not have the understanding of how to budget. And um, no one ever sat me down and talked about budget. And so when I am new in college, it's the first time, mind you, it's the first time I've left the church. First time I've left my parents' home. I'm the first person to go into this atmosphere, so I don't know what to expect. Um, And I do, like all good Christian girls do, and went absolutely insane in my first year of college. Um, I got a tattoo. I got piercings. There was lots of, like, you know, lots of parties. I I did everything that you do when you first go to college, including opening up a credit card that you do not need. And um, signing up for anything that's like, oh, $50 free if you sign up. And, oh, yeah, let me do that. And Mm -hmm. opening a Wells Fargo account, not knowing anything about banks or anything. (laughs) I made all those mistakes myself. Yeah, (laughs) About any of that. And getting checks, Mm -hmm. right? Paper Mm -hmm. checks. And I know that most people don't know what those are nowadays. (laughs) I'm trying to not, you know, be specific to a generation. But there are people who do not know what those are. Oh, I remember them a stack of free checks and be right. like so basically this is like money and I just put a number down and you gotta trust me. Right. Right. And all the mistakes that come with that. Yeah. So I wrote a check to a grocery store.
0: Right.
2: And I did not check an I did not check my banking account before uh-huh. I went to the grocery store. The check I wrote was for under $25. Okay. Worth of groceries from the grocery store.
1: Yeah.
2: And that check bounced. And so their fees associated with the check yeah. bouncing from the bank and from the store. And then when I don't pay those fees, I am now also being charged with theft under $500, which is a misdemeanor, classy misdemeanor in the state of Texas. Um, Is that, I
0: mean, that's a mistake that I have made, you know, many times in my young life, right? But in Texas, that is an arrestable offense?
2: So it's a citation eligible offense. Um, The reason why I went to jail for it was because I failed to appear in court for it so i had a failure to appear warrant which is now new fees Goodness. and now new new things are being added to it um i had several different low level misdemeanor offenses mm. almost every single one of them was for something like oh you don't have car registration oh, <laughs> like you nice. oh you don't have your insurance for your car right? right and again i'm a college student who is not very great with money
0: <laughs> right but also it's like these are all like economic offenses you know right which is a and kind
2: so of yeah. Okay. When I went to when it it, it unfortunately happened where um uh, just two weeks after my fiance died and was um mm. buried, I was finally going back to school to take the last test I would ever take as an undergraduate student so I could graduate. Mm-hmm. Um I'd already been accepted into an MFA creative writing program. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I have to take this test in order for me to start grad school. Like there's no yeah. way around it. It's the last test for school. And um my car died on the side of the road. Everything I owned was in the car because I was homeless oh, at the no. time. Oh, no. And um, the cop came and I was just like, you know, at this point, I'm not fighting anything. Oh. I, I'm tired of fighting at this point. Oh, for Lita. And so um, I sat in jail for 45 days and 44 <gasps> nights. Oh, my um, goodness. Bail was set at $600. If I had gone through a bail bondsman, it would have been $60. Um, mm. The people who I did call did not feel as though I deserved to come out because they didn't quite understand how I could not afford (laughs) like how how are you making these mistakes right that my path was different and so the people I called did did not help and it would have cost less than a hundred dollars for me to get out but I sat in there just long enough to kind of work through my grief Mm. and um, I had decided I wasn't going to go to grad school my fiance just died and I was Mm. in jail and Life is hard. I'm just going to get a job
1: mm-hmm. and
2: not be a writer. I was almost on the verge of giving up. Yeah, And so I sat in jail just, I want to say it was like the second to last week before I left when I was like, you know what? No, I
0: right. am going
2: to go to grad school. I am going to get this degree. I am going to publish. I am going to tour. And yeah. this is just going to be one chapter but uh, right before then i was like oh no i give up <laughs> right and so i sat in just long enough and um when i got out it's it's very funny cuz it will i said funny but um i that particular moment that day that i came out is going to be in the book i just finished a poem um finally oh. about the day that i was released and how i'm standing in my women of the world poetry slam shirt Cause I got rested in my poetry slam oh my shirt God. and so I, I came out and I was wearing my poetry mm. slam shirt and I'm wearing, I have everything I have in my bag. And the first person who finds me at a corner store, cause again, I lost my car. I lost everything right. I had. The it's very from, easy to
0: just slip and slip and slip when, when there's no safety net. Right. I mean, that none. is, yeah. And but people who have a safety net don't understand at all that, that, that there's like, nothing. Right.
2: Mm. There's, there's, there's nothing. You, got, you come out with what you have and what right. you had before you went in is probably gone. Mine was on the side of the road and it right. was gone by the time I got there. And, but the person who found me with my trash bag <laughs> um, would later become the producer of, of my spoken word album, A New Name for My Love, which oh, came out in 2021 good. with Civil Rights Corps and is very much about transformational justice and thinking about uh, legislation through the lens of love.
0: Wait, and, is that the day that you two met that day or that you, or that? No. Oh, okay.
2: We were, we were friends in college, but he's okay. the first person who saw me. Yeah. And so like every, every okay. chapter of life has been a lie. Right. right. Which yeah. is why the first book was probably not the most lightest. <laughs> it was, it was probably it not the It doesn't need to be dream. light.
0: It doesn't need to be light. It has, it has its own fire, right? It has its own warmth. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be um, light. Yeah. yeah. Um, Felita, that's an amazing story. I cannot wait to read your book. That is like...
2: Well, I'm hoping there'll be more light in the book. I definitely want it to be um, a look of... I want to talk about the odyssey that it is to go from no education and no reference um, of literature. Like literature was not a foundation in my life. Mm -hmm. To go from that to becoming a poet and so the odyssey through the 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 career of writing the odyssey through the world of writing and the world of creating um as well as the odyssey through the carceral system and understanding that they are one in the same that me being a first generation college student has something very much to do with the carceral nature of of where i was born compton california yeah that me going to jail after getting, you know, Mm -hmm. becoming the first person in my family to Mm -hmm. to be eligible for a degree has something to do like uh, that. Even my career as a writer is is deeply impacted by the carceral system at all stages. Yeah. And so that's why it's, um, I'm very excited about the book because there is a good ending. There's a very good ending.
0: Absolutely. And it's joyful. It it is. (laughs) I mean, I am, I am so grateful to, 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 be the recipient of your of your art. I mean to to be in your presence and to read your work is is such a gift. Like I thank you so much. I mean honestly, thank you. Thank you uh, for chatting today, but also for for being this artist in the world. The American Poetry Review podcast is a Radio Kismet production. Please look us up online at aprweb.org and follow us on social media.